I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off, I'm your host as usual, Guy Drinkle, and in this one we will be covering Liverpool 2, Fulham 0, and the uh, Fulham fan joining me is Matthew, who you would have heard on the preview show with me this week, how are you doing Matthew? Evening, good to be back, good to be back. Good stuff. And uh, the Liverpool fan joining us too is Nick, how are you doing Nick? Um, great, thanks Guy, thanks for having me. Good stuff, it's been a while since you've been on, so I'll start with you then Nick. Um, as we do with every show, we go into the start at 11s, I mean, I think quite a lot of people are expecting a team like this, but what what what, what did you think of it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was pleased with the start at 11, to be honest with you. Um, I think most people on Twitter were, you know, um, Fabinho mm. was back centre midfield, uh, looked like it was a two-man midfield with Shaqiri overhead, uh, and as it turned out, uh, Shaqiri was playing on the right, uh, Salah up front with Firmino just behind, so I thought it was um, it was the starting lineup I would have picked, not that I know anything, but no, I, I was very happy with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree with that, I was I was maybe wanting Cater a bit, but uh, Firmino in a two with uh, Van Alden's worked pretty well so far, but... Um... Probably a, a few more question marks in terms of the Fulham team, Matthew. Um, obviously, uh, you've really, well, you've not played the same team once this season, I don't think, and it was, it was the same today. Obviously, you played, well, I don't, I'm not sure how many changes from the last one, but Chambers in midfield's probably a good starting point. Um, yeah, I think a lot of fans were sort of, um, uh, when they first saw the team line, were wondering, A, the biggest question was what formation we were mm. going. None of us really seemed to know what was going on because you have the inclusion of Chambers, who's meant to be a defensive midfielder. And we always knew he was uh, had the ability to play a defensive midfield. But when we first saw it on the team sheet, we were thinking, right, hang on, is that, is that three at the back? Is with Chambers and Alfie Mawson together? And where does a doy fit into this? And Lemarchon, is he a left back? No one quite knew what was going on. I think BT Sport had it as a... Uh, a five-four-one when mm. uh, when they when they first put the graphic up, I thought we were going uh, three-five-two. No one again, no one quite knew exactly what the 
what the line was. And I think the biggest sort of shock was the fact that uh, Jean-Michel Chéry, um, who's been, I, I wouldn't want to say one of our best players, but he's certainly one of the most notable mm. players, uh, got dropped to the bench. That was the most confusing thing. And yeah, that, that was the most, that was the most confusing thing because he's one of the players who you'd think, right, in this sort of game with the amount of running he does, you'd think that we, he should, he should be in the team running around, you know, because we're going to have to be chasing the ball around a lot. You'd think he'd be beneficial, but obviously Slav, Slav decided to go another way. And for the most part, it more or less worked. Yeah, you mentioned that he was kind of, you'd expect him to turn up when the when the cameras are out as well because he's obviously one who's been linked with bigger clubs in the past so it's a, it's I a bigger that's, stage that's room. An alleg- yeah. That's an allegedly based on, mm. you know, fact that Newcastle players seem to do it a couple of years ago. That's an allegedly I'm not yeah, putting any yeah. I'm not putting anything bad against his name. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, but he's a big name player so I think he'd he'd be one that you'd expect to put in a big in a big performance but um I'll, I'll stick with I'll stick with you uh, then, uh, Matthew. Obviously, the start probably favouring Liverpool a bit. I mean, we see a couple chances in the first twenty or so minutes. Um, what what were you thinking as a Fulham fan? Obviously, you've you've gone through some games where you've got hammered by the bigger teams, and then you've obviously put in a battling performance against Tottenham. We, what what were you what were your thoughts after the first ten minutes or fifteen minutes or so? Um, I'll be brutally honest. I was sort of very positive after that. It sort of came to, came to me the amount of chances that Liverpool missed and the amount of uh, uh, very good, I won't put any in the fantastic category, but very good saves that Sergio Rico made. It had that little thing in the back of my mind, hang on, this could be one, you know, one of mm. those days where Liverpool just can't get anything right. You know, similar to, similar to, I'm sure how it worked, how it worked out in Belgrade for you. Just, they're not taking their chances. All we need is one and we might get away with that. And we had our one chance and Ryan Sessignon, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of skipping ahead here. Ryan Sessignon had his one chance and just, for whatever reason, just didn't take it. And, and again, and that sort of thing, right, hang on now, that's going to cost us. That, that's the one chance we're not going to get back and, and in the end, it it did it did cost us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll just I'll go to uh, to Nick on our, our chance, and then we'll come back to that session young one because it was a big moment in the game, especially uh, in in the game state it was. But Nick, what what did you make of our start? I mean, Shakiri had a, a couple moments. So did Salah. What what did you make of it? Were you were you fearing one of these frustrating days that we hope was a thing of the past? But there was a couple of signs that it might have been going that way. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was um, it was quite equal the first couple of minutes, and um, I mean, I, I did the kiss of death at the start of the season. We had this thing, didn't we, where we were predicting which of the the promoted sides would do best, mm. and um, sadly for Fulham, I picked them. And since <laughs> then, they've had the worst defensive records, you know. Um, but they were quite lively coming out the blocks, and obviously, we had quite a few shots on goal and. You start to wonder, you know, when you're a Liverpool fan, is it going to be one of those days? Uh, or whether we're just getting our eye in, you know. And as the match started, it appeared that it was Salah through the middle, which I don't really like, and uh, Shakiri on the right, you know. And um, the first memory I have really is like when Mane tried to kill one in in about six minutes. Um, and that, that I mean, I, I sort of thought he's trying to get his eye in then, but... Um, yeah, it, you just got the feeling that um, was it going to happen for us? You know, the longer it went on, 
it was it wasn't as much um, great defending from Fulham. It was just really, really poor finishing on Liverpool's part. Yeah, I think that was kind of a story throughout the game as well. Uh, I mean, we didn't defend that well <laughs> either in the first half, especially. But we'll come back to that. But Matthew, coming to you, obviously you mentioned the setting on chance. Um, if he was in, if he was in better state of form, do you think he would have buried that? I'm not sure. It, was he quite clinical in the championship when he was obviously getting bigger numbers? Yeah, he was clinical, and I'll be really honest. I've been waiting for that moment all season mm. long. Ball up to Mitrovic, win the header, flick on, and then have and then have a player running off into. I've been waiting all year for that, and I don't know why it's been taking why it took so long for us to for us to try some of that. And I'll give credit to Alexander Mitrovic, who's been sort of uh, who's been off form recently. He started off okay, um, but then has sort of filtered away. But you know, I mentioned John Russell Sherry wanting to put in a big performance in front of the camera. I'm not going. I'm not going to put mm-hmm. Mitrovic. I'm not going to put Mitrovic in that category. But he played a hell of a lot better, and it showed with that flick on. That's all we've been. That's what we've been looking for all season long. I'm not one of these. You know, take forty passes uh, to score a goal sort of thing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that personally. I just want ball up to the big centre forward. Either hold it up, hold it up, or flick it on for a little. For a little striker slash winger to be fo- to be following him behind, and yeah, had this come at the start of the season, I reckon Ces- I reckon Sessignon buries that. But I think the the stage comes the stage got to him a little bit because I believe he is a Liverpool fan, mm. so he probably he probably did have that that one moment in front of the cop, and that just took his you know just took his off the ball, so to speak, because you know. Last season or at the start of the season, he buries that. No, no, no doubt about it. But a combination of that and I just think the, yeah, I just think the, the, I've, I've said it, I've said this on the Fulham podcast a number of times is that the poor morale, uh, at, of, of the defense has sort of moved its way up the pitch. So again, a more, a better session, a better session would have buried that chance. Absolutely. And then, and then we, you know, the, the whole game changes from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, form pretty much everything. I mean, we 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 struggled to finish in for a, for the first part of the season ourselves. So we've we've seen that um, as well at Liverpool. So Nick, and on this shot, we saw Gomez get bullied a bit by Mitrovic. I mean, we've not really seen that much this season. We worried. I mean. Obviously, he's a young centre back. It's like his first centre season at centre back for us. Were you worried that this may have been one of his weak spots physically? Yeah, I mean, I thought that um, I thought Van Dijk tried to nick the ball um, in front of Mitrovic and it missed, and then it bounced and it ricocheted off Gomez, who was left a bit flat-footed, and uh, Sessegnon was was through, wasn't he? You know, and um, I was swearing at the television, like you know, I was like, oh <laughs> god, you know. And I'm screaming at Allison, you know, come out, narrow your angles, like I know what I'm talking about, you know, as a goalkeeper. Uh, but thankfully, I think that um, Sessegnon just rushed it a little bit. That's what it seemed to me. He, he wasn't expecting the ricochet. Uh, he wasn't expecting to get through. And then once he got through, I think he panicked a little bit. And whether that's because he's a Liverpool fan or whether it's just, you know, his, his inexperience, his age, I don't know. But obviously... um I think we escaped one there, you know, really, that was the best chance of the half up to then. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't remember when Salah's one on one when he got really close to Rico was, but they they were definitely the two best chances of the half for me, apart from the goal. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a worrying sign for us that they seemed to just be able to target someone in our back four and get some joy from it. But um, if we move on, I, w- I wanted to talk about the midfield, and it, it, they seem to play a key part in, in the first half, especially because. Um, Nick, I'll stay with you. Obviously, we, we've gone back to playing that too with Ginny and Fabinho that we've been, well, we missed in Red Star. I think, that, I think that's fair to say. But, um, yeah, I thought Fabinho was alright, but Ginny just seemed to stick to his ghostly self. I'm not sure how many touches or anything he got, but he just didn't seem to do much in the game. What, what did you make of our midfield in the, in the game? Uh, a bit frustrating. As I say, it was the side that I would have picked. And, um, what I, what I don't quite understand, Guy, is I would have played that starting lineup against Red Star. I would have played our strongest side, get the points on the board, hopefully, and beat Red Star. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, against Fulham is, is arguably where you can maybe bring in a couple of fringe players due to the, the league positioning. But instead, we seem to have done it the other way where we've, we've put in some fringe players against Red Star playing away in Serbia. Um, in a hostile environment. And then when we're at home at Anfield against uh, one of the lower clubs in the league, you know, we chose to uh, go with Dog would be our stronger side. So it was a little bit weird that. Um, but in terms of the midfield itself, I thought Fabinho was great. Um, obviously, we'll probably talk about him as we go through the, the pod, but he was snide, he was strong, he was driving forward with runs, you know, he was giving away free kicks, he was getting free kicks against him. And, uh, but Wijnaldum, I don't know whether it was one game too much or because we've asked him to play in so many different roles in the midfield, that can't be easy for a player. It doesn't matter how mm. good a player it is. If you're asking him to shift his role all the time to play a six, an eight, a ten, to play in a two-man midfield, then a three-man midfield, um, it was Wijnaldum's worst game for us in a while for me. Um, obviously, I wasn't at the ground, and sometimes if you're watching something on TV, uh, it's not quite the same experience as if you're actually at the ground because you don't always see the off the ball stuff or, you know, the stuff that's done, you know, when the camera's not on the player. But I thought Fabinho was brilliant, but Wijnaldum, I thought, wasn't great at all. And the balance of our midfield wasn't quite right because I thought Fulham far too often were running through the centre of our midfield and Mitrovic was causing us a lot of problems because what was happening is Fulham were trying to knock the ball up to Mitrovic. Uh, who was then uh, knocking it down or passing it to Sessegnon or Scherler, uh, who were the two fast wide players that Fulham had. And that did cause us some problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the full-backs do have a tough job. I think Rob Wall was fine, but obviously Trent's got into a lot of stick. But we'll come on to that in a, onto that in a bit. But yeah, Sessegnon seemed to get the best out of our young right-sided um, defence. So, um yeah, it was kind of a worry to to see half of the midfield wasn't doing too much. But um, Matthew, you obviously had a a new midfield partnership, and I'll count Tom Kearney in yours because he's more of a midfielder than uh, uh, Firmino is for us. Um, but how, how do you how do you think your midfield dealt with dealt with Liverpool as a team? Then because obviously Chambers first game in midfield for a while. I don't I don't think he's done it much for Arsenal, and uh, obviously Angisa, who uh, we mentioned in the preview, had a bit of a, a stinker against Huddersfield and and preferred a different different system. But 
Do you think it was a kind of a game of two halves for him? Because they seemed to do a bit better in the first half compared to the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Slav's trying to, um, still, uh, tinkering with his team. I, I still don't think he knows his best side if I'm being, if I'm being, being brutally honest. But just in terms, in terms of the overall, overall in the midfield, yeah, I, I don't want to put this just on the midfield, but the whole team to an extent made a big step up and mm. the midfield, the midfield as well wasn't as lost and confused as, as they were. And Callum Chambers, you know, I, Expect him to be playing more as a as a as a centre back this year, but based on what I based on what I saw on Sunday, I see absolutely no reason why we can't keep this this uh, side this eleven um, uh, together when we when we come back off the international break and we've got Southampton. You know, if they um, manage to quell the Liverpool attacks as well as they did. And you know, keep the chances somewhat limited, then they can do. Yeah, then there's actually there's absolutely the chance for us to get that result again against Southampton when we come back. So overall, and it's particularly particularly in the midfield, uh, the the players all just you know stepped stepped up one notch, and you know all credit to them. So would you uh, not agree? But would you keep faith with this midfield uh, trio for for the time being, just to get a bit of? Um, just con- continuity in midfield because I know obviously we- we've mentioned uh, both on this pod and the preview that you do love a change. But would would you keep that midfield free? Um, I think the the idea of it, the sort of formation of it, uh, having Chambers and Angisa as a defensive two, having mm-hmm. a defensive two midfield, four two three one. I think that could work well going forward. But I'm still personally not a fan of Dennis Adoy as a centre back. So I'd rather have Callum Chambers drop back into back into central defence and have Kevin McDonald there as our partner alongside alongside Angisa. Because Angisa said in the past that he's more com- more comfortable as a defensive midfielder if he's you know, as a two rather than as a mm. one. So if you have the likes of Kevin McDonald who, you know, is very very defensive minded, but also has that can uh, change things up a bit and uh, add an attacking prowess as well. I think that's the way we we should go going forward. So Angisa, you know, he's he's our record signing. He to some extent he should be playing, and you know, if this is the way we've got to sort of play around him, you know, accommodate him so to speak by giving him a defensive midfield partner, then yeah, I see that. I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be the way going forward. We've just got to find the right partner to go alongside him, and I personally think that's Kevin McDonald. No, that's certainly interesting, because we seem to have a, a tactical issue at Liverpool as well. Fabinho's been uh, used to a, a two-man midfield at, at uh, Monaco before he came here, and Klopp seems to be protecting him uh, by playing him in a two, so it kind of sounds like we have similar issues in the midfield, or not issues, but problems that shall we say but uh, we'll move on and, uh, and Nick this one's just for you um, obviously we had a, a decent amount of chances we always were in a game like this but for me Mane struggled quite badly I mean he, he did alright in flashes but he just didn't really do too much and what he did was quite poor Bobby seemed to just disappear and out of the game um, but is this starting to become a worry because I know Bobby's got a different role nowadays and he seems to be dropping much deeper and I know he created some chances but he just seemed he just seemed to 
not be his usual self to me. As I said, Mane was just off it. But is it is this starting to get a worry for you now? I know Mane and Bobby have got decent numbers this season, but it, it's not looking too great on the eye. Yeah, I mean, we we keep hearing, don't we? You know, um, it's a good sign if we're winning um, and we're not playing well, or if the players aren't, you know, kicking into the type of form that we had at, at times last season. But I'm I'm really unsure about the balance of the side, to be honest with you. Um, I've been really impressed with Shakiri, but it seems like Klopp seems determined when we play Shakiri uh, to put Shakiri on the right, which then means putting Salah up front and dropping Firmino into the midfield. And I don't know. I just I don't know how well, you know, for the sake of um, being able to accommodate Shakiri, you know, I prefer. Salah uh, on the right. I prefer Firmino as like a false nine or a, a real nine these days, really. Mm. And um, I think yesterday um, he did a lot of work. You know, he did put a few uh, through balls assists. He was a bit too deep for my liking, but uh, I was reading Andrew Beasley's article in the Echo today, and he seemed to suggest that Firmino had uh, played better than perhaps I realised. But um, I, I just don't know that the balance of the side is right at all for me, Guy. And it's all very well saying, you know, it's a good sign that, you know, um, we're still winning, we're getting the results. But I just, I don't know whether it's Klopp has sort of said, you know, don't press as much. Although other figures about pressing seem to suggest we are still pressing mm. uh, as much as we did last season. Whether it's just with the defensive solidity we've got now, where we're taking our foot off the gas a little bit. Because um, one worry I did have last season was we only really seemed to be able to play at like 100 miles an hour. Uh, there was no slowing down of the game, putting your foot on the ball, you know, making the ball do the work, all those cliches. Um, obviously, you know, we can't complain about our league positioning, but I just worry at the moment that we're sort of one bad result from like a bad run, you know, because it's one thing if you, you're winning and you're not playing well. But if you're not playing well and then you stop winning, you know, that can spiral into something a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think we've seen that in the past. I mean, it's probably more a Brendan Rodgers thing, uh, than a Klopp thing, but we have seen in the past. Well, not even in, uh, 16, 17, wasn't it? We went off the boil big time over the Christmas period. So yeah, we, we have seen that in the past where performances can just, uh, lead to poor results quite easily. But, um, we might as well get on to the big talking point of the game then. And, and, and Matthew, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Mitrovic, obviously, goal disallowed, and then it obviously turns into our goal. But what what are your thoughts? I know uh, Jukanovic and stuff like that is quite uh, angry after the game, but having seen all the footage now, do you think it was offside? Um, I think... I think I think the call's so marginal, and there's been all this talk about VAR in the result of it. And I think in a VAR world, that goal gets gets given because if you remember in the World Cup, they the officials were saying if you're unsure, then let it go, and we can always come back to it. Mm. So I think in, in that in a VAR world, they you know, give the goal, go back and look at it. And then, you know, this, you know, they need to be, you know, indisputable proof to overturn it sort of thing. I think it's that close that it gets, that it gets given. However, also in a VAR world, and you know, I, I'm a big fan of VAR, uh, Liverpool don't, 
don't get their counter-attacking goal. Because um, the whole point of it is that you caught us on the counter-attack whilst we were still focusing whilst we were still focusing on the goal. So, again, in a VAR world, it probably ends up 1-0 to us. But, honestly, like I said, I think it was marginal. I, I think he was onside. Personally, I'd happily be disproven that he was offside. Again, it was it was just too close to call. My one worry was, though, the fact that we just lost our concentration over the whole thing. That's my big Big one. I'm not going to get into a whole fuss about you know the fact mm-hmm. that the ball that the ball was moving. I'm I'm not going to get into a big thing of that. Um, I was a goalkeeper from my youth. I tried to get away with that a few times. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. I'm fine with that. But it's the fact that in that situation, there was nobody back or no one to spot out to spot out. Hang on, this is Liverpool we're dealing with. You know, even if you know Mitrovic had you know if it if wasn't into there, even if it had gone straight into it straight into Allison's hands, the counter attack was always going to be on. So I'm more concerned about how we defended the defended the counter attack and you know, didn't realise there was a possibility than the whole goal given not given sort of thing. Personally, hmm. you've obviously mentioned um, Dennis Adoy a couple times. Um, he just he was the one who seemed to. Going to proper panic stations, obviously asking for the offside himself when when Salah was breaking through. I mean, is I was going to bring him up a bit later, but is he is he a continued problem? I know you mentioned um, you kind of keeping favourites from the championship. Is he in that? Is he in that bracket? Um, yes, I think he is. I think he's more there because he's he's one of these modern defenders that you know he's small, but he reads the game well. That's that's why he's in there. Um, I just personally don't think he's good enough to play in the Premier League. That's that's mm-hmm. all. That's all I've got against it. But Slavica Kanovic, for you know one reason or another, uh, thinks he is, and you know Slavica Kanovic also thinks, you know that, that you know we went through three goalkeepers at the start of the year. So there's obviously Slavica again. Something's right, and clearly again something's wrong. But I'm not going to get. I'm not. I'm not going to sort of continually bash down. So I. I think I've made it to you. I've made it to sort of many people on Twitter and on the and on the Full and Focus podcast I'm on that I just don't think Dennis Adoy's quite right for us. I'd rather have the defence of you know Chambers and Mawson together rather than mm-hmm. Adoy and Tim Ream. No, that's absolutely fair. And Nick, from our point of view, I mean. Robo is very lackadaisical coming out. I think that's fair to say. I mean, it's one of them decisions where I, I kind of agree. If it was VAR and he hadn't put his flag up, which we obviously saw in the World Cup, he probably would have given it. But I think the fact that he put his flag up, it it, it wouldn't have been overruled, for example. But uh, yeah, it was really bloody tight, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I've got to disagree, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think that... My understanding of VAR, as you say, Guy, is once the linesman has flagged to say it's offside, um, it would then still go to VAR in theory. But my understanding of VAR is unless it's a clear error, VAR would not overturn the linesman's call. So from that extent, uh, the goal would have still been disallowed. Um, but one of my colleagues in Anfield Index made the point yesterday in, in the chat we have, uh, that while it was being checked to see if it was a goal for VAR, we wouldn't have been able to counter-attack. We wouldn't have been able to um, uh, 
roll the ball out to Trent and mm. then pass to Salah and score. You know, so in theory, if VAR was in place, there is a chance yesterday that Fulham's goal wouldn't have happened, but also Liverpool's first goal wouldn't have happened. No, but I don't in terms like that. Of our... <laughs> don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of our actual goal, I mean, it's one of those, to be honest with you, the Fulham goal. I I thought it was marginally offside when I saw it. I think it's the type of goal that if it would have been given against you, you, you have to give the referee and the linesman a little bit of benefit of the doubt either way. It was that tight that if it had been given against Liverpool, I would have been a bit disappointed, but I'd understand why. Um, and equally, if it has been given, sorry, if, if it was disallowed, then again, I understand the Fulham side of things where they'd be a bit disappointed. But in terms of Liverpool scoring, you know, very quick, very quick mind from Allison straight out to Trent, who slots a great ball to Salah, who then just runs half the length of the field and slots it in the corner. Great goal. But as I say, from a Fulham point of view, a really, really frustrating goal to concede, I can only imagine. Yeah, I think the the more the, the worst bit about it was was the timing of it. You know, there's all this you know, A it was a two goal swing, one present, but again, bang on the stroke of half time. If we'd have managed to get into it, it's one of the cliches, but it's true. If we'd have managed to get into half time nil nil, then things might have gone a little bit different. But when A, the disappointment of the goal being disallowed, and B, the disappointment of then conceding the goal, that was really, that was really game over for us because we weren't creating many chances. So those, so the very few we had, we had to take. So we knew once we had a, went a goal down, we weren't going to be able to get back into the game. We had to score first. And, you know, we mentioned the Session chance earlier and the unfortunate. Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I agree to you to, with you to an extent. I'm not going to be, I wouldn't want to be the linesman in that case. I can, I said, I can see the case for offside. I can see the case for onside as well. But it was just one of those kicking the teeth right on the stroke of half time that basically, basically just killed the game off for us. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, it was right on the stroke of half time. So we'll, we'll move on to the second half. And um, <laughs> I mentioned this before we just recorded. Um, there's not much happened in the second half other than the goal, but we'll, we'll kind of broaden it out and uh, start talking about both defences. And, and Matthew, obviously, we've mentioned a die and stuff like that, but w- were you happy with the other three of it? Do you, do you think there's a long term. Group in there, obviously you had Lamarche on, I hope you pronounce his name, at left back, uh, Mawson, your big, one of your big summer signings, and, uh, Christie at right back. Do you think them three should stay in the team? Um, I think Cyrus, Cyrus Christie has a place in the team. I've not been overly convinced with Timothy Fossumenser at right back. I think, I think he's got something there. I think he can be a Premier League, a Premier League right back, but he's just not quite there yet. Uh, so, and Cyrus so Christie is slightly, uh, slightly more developed than him. Um, Maxime Marchand, I absolutely have in, uh, in any, in any, uh, team that we want to put. I mentioned, I mentioned, um, on the, on the preview show that I'd want to go to a, like Southgate did the World Cup. That's all, uh, three, four, two, one, mm. uh, lineup. And in that way, I'd have, uh, Le Marchand as the left centre back, uh, Chambers as the right centre back, and Alfie Mawson as the centre centre back. So, absolutely, all three of them have a place in the side, and I think there is a decent, well, not decent, but a, a good enough Premier League back four there. But it's just a case of a getting everyone together and b trying to find the right formation that gets the best out of 
I guess the best out of all of them. And I just personally think it's the three four two one. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. It's certainly interesting. I mean, three at the back. It, it does. It does see. It does look on paper that it would suit you because obviously Mawson, um obviously part of Swansea when they were horrendous defensively. Um, so maybe adding a bit more protection around him allowing to obviously he was a threat at um, set pieces for Swansea last season and previous season. And, and I think all three of them look to be good on the ball. I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of Lamarche on, but he did, he did look to be one of the ones who stood out for you uh, yesterday. Yeah, he's been one of the players that I've been uh, somewhat impre- uh, somewhat impressed with. In yeah, it's it's not been a great start of the season, but one of the few um, shining uh, shining lights is probably a bit, a bit too much. But one of the few glimmers of hope that we've got out of this has been uh, Lemos Sean, equally comfortable as a centre back or a left back, which is why I think in that three four three he's suited as the left as the left centre back. I get. I think there is. You know, like like with Timothy Fossumenta, he still needs a little bit more development. I think Lemarchand is probably there already, decent enough to be a starting a starting uh, defender in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely, all fair. I mean, he did he did look ready. He looked ready enough for me uh, from an outsider perspective. But uh, Nick, um, our defence is pretty much set, uh, especially in two positions. Uh, obviously, Gomez is is going to play most of the time. But Trent's obviously the one who comes into quite a lot of rotation with with whoever's going to come in at centre back. He's getting a lot of flack after this game. Um, and on uh, rate don't hate cheap plug there. Someone uh, I won't spoil it, but someone give him an eight. Um, and that kind of came yeah. to everyone's surprise. Um, what what did you reckon? Do you think the the criticism's been warranted, or do you think he's just getting unfair criticism, or do you just think people are expecting a bit too much from him? So is this one of the hosts of Rate Don't Hate has gave Trent an eight? I haven't listened to it yet. Oh uh, no, it's one it's one of the uh, it's one of the panelists. It's okay, probably I... I'll just say it's Tom. <laughs> it's Tom. Is, is this <laughs> is this the time where we need to start bringing in compulsory drug testing for anyone who's on a an Anfield Index pod? Because um, I don't know what game Tom was watching there, but now in all seriousness, Trent didn't have the best of games yesterday. Obviously, he set up the first goal, and it was a great piece of thinking for that. Um, he's a young player. He's a kid. He's going to be inconsistent. Um, it's probably fair to say he hasn't captured his best form of last season yet. Um, and some of the set pieces and corner taken and crossing was absolutely atrocious yesterday but um selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I just think we need to give him a bit of slack, basically. And I prefer Trent at right back more than Gomez. Um, Gomez has been great when he's been there, don't get me wrong, but I want to see that central defensive partnership of Gomez and Van Dijk uh, be the consistently played one, and I want to see Trent at right back as much as possible. Uh, but it's a bit strange as well that we, we don't really see much in Nathaniel Klein anymore. Uh, I don't know whether he's, he's went out of favour with Jurgen Klopp, uh, but I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Trent to be given a little bit of a rest in some of the games. Uh, so I think it's, it's one of them. You've got to be, you've got to be fair. He's, he's a young lad. Uh, he didn't have his best of games yesterday, but he wasn't terrible either. I'd say, I mean, I think I gave him a, a, a six yesterday, a five yeah, or a six. Same. I gave him a six, yeah. A very midland sort of performance, you know, and every player can't play well every single game. I think that was one of Trent's okay games, but not great. I mean, he's not really done anything that's cost us. And I think, um, in terms of Ryan Sessegnon, he is one of the fastest players uh, in the Premier League, as far as I'm aware. And I know Robertson had a better game, but Scherler uh, doesn't strike me as being that type of um, touchline-hugging winger as such, whereas Sessegnon can just go right down the touchline, and obviously Trent had to try and keep up with him. So I think Trent had a harder time in terms of um, trying to stop Sessegnon than Robertson had on the other side with Scherler. Uh, he will get better, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what game Tom's watched. I definitely think <laughs> we need some uh, random drug testing for Tom. Uh, hopefully, he listens to this. <laughs> uh, well, you could you could tell him in the writers' group actually. But yeah, I mean, it's a good point on Sessing. You know, he obviously swapped over to the right at some point as well, and he seemed to cause uh, Robertson a, a couple more issues than than Sherla was as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's a quite that's a good point actually. Um, but. As I said, not much happened in the second half, so scraping the barrel here. Um, Nick, we see a man here chance. It's one of the probably only things he did well. Uh, you see, I think he dribbled past a couple of people and then pretty much just, as scientifically put this, twatted it <laughs> at, uh, at Rico. Uh, what, what did you make of the chance? And do you think it was hopefully a sign of man here showing... Uh, form in front of goal. I mean, he's, I think he did that against Cardiff, didn't he? He didn't play well, but he got a couple of goals. Yeah, I think Marnie's one of these players where he's trying to take on more responsibility. He wants to be the man, you know, who's performing, who is our best player each game. And he just couldn't get his eye in yesterday. He seemed to be shooting more than perhaps he should have done, you know, um, those times when he could have played players in. Um, but he just seemed to be wanting to shoot a goal all the time. And he, he just some of the shots were atrocious, but one thing that he did do, which I noticed in the first half, sorry to jump back for a minute, Guy, but I just remember it now. Uh, he had a terrible touch in central midfield and the ball got away from him, but then he got it back, showed incredible strength 
uh, against the Fulham midfield. I can't remember who he, he stole it off. And then he ran at um, the Fulham six-yard box and a chance was created. And it was a really great piece of play. Uh, I was I was up out of my seat because I thought, oh, this is going to be a goal. This is going to be a goal. But he's just it wasn't quite his day yesterday, Mane. But <sighs> I think it'll come for him. I, I honestly do. I, I still um I'm still not sure about him playing on the left. I know he played there for Red Bull, um, but I do think sometimes he misses that right flank, and obviously we've had to put him over on the left to accommodate Salah. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, I think people mentioned that a lot last season with his uh, poor sending off against Man City form, didn't they? So it's quite, it might be one to, to look at for uh, the stats guys. But, um, Matthew, from, from your point of view, um, uh, this was probably Rico's most eye-catching save, but throughout the game, do you think he did enough to solidify his, his hold on that number one jersey? Yeah, I, now, at the start of the season, I was of the of the mindset that every uh, the the majority of the team that got promoted uh, had sort of earned the right to start the first couple of games, and that included uh, Marcus Bernelli, who was our number one mm-hmm. uh, uh, towards the end. Uh, I think he took over in December and was our number one for the rest of the year. I personally didn't have a problem with Marcus Bernelli, but uh, Sergio Rico's come in and you know proved that he's He's better than Marcus Bernelli. Um So I think that number one jersey. Enough of you know, We've had enough of the faffing with the with the back line. I think we're starting to get something together there. The first thing is we need to keep Sergio Rico in goal for for the rest of the year. I think that's the first bit of uh, continuity and consistency that we can get is uh, have some faith in in our goalkeeper, and he's. Again, I didn't want Bettinelli to be dropped, but if this is what we've got as a result of it, then then I'm then I'm not then I'm not against the move, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, as, as I said on the preview, we've had goalkeeper rotation rotation issues in the past, and uh, yeah, it's always good to have your number one uh, hand picked every game. Uh, I think it's very important. Um, but we'll move on to the second goal, and uh, Nick, I'll start with you. Um, I might as well broaden it out to uh, talk about Shakiri as well. Obviously, he gets the goal with a lovely finish off a off a nice Robo cross. Um, how impressive were both of them in the game? Because I, I think it's fair to say they'd be most people's men of the match. Yeah, mine was Fabino actually, but uh, oh, right. <laughs> just have to be difficult. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were both great. Um, Robertson, I love the guy. I mean, he's just up and down all the time. Always seems to give, you know, 100%. Um, really hard-working player. You know, Shaqiri, we heard a lot of stories about his reputation, about him being lazy. Uh, and he's come into the team, and he just seems to be wanting to put his head down, work hard, make a good impression. And he's always looking for that through ball. That's what I like about him. He's always got his head up. He's always looking to place someone in. Uh, but yet the goal yesterday it was great. It was um, great work down the left hand side by Robertson, uh, and then first time uh, cushion volley by Shakiri made it look so easy. Uh, but he watched it go all the way into the net, and it was just it was a beautiful goal to be honest with you. It was just really good time from Shakiri with the run, um, and I think after that goal. If Fulham weren't done before the goal, they were definitely done after the second goal because it just really seemed to knock the stuffing out of them. 
Yeah, I think that, that I think we'll come on to that as well because it, it just seemed to kill the game overall as well. But Matthew, uh, second goal from a Fulham point of view, I mean, it just seemed to be. I think it was after another cross and just seemed to be a bit late coming out, and Shakiri was all on his own. On all on his own. Um, what, what, what was your thoughts on the goal? Um, just a lack of just a lack of conf- uh, concentration. I forget who it was that lost the lost Shakiri. It may have been Cyrus Christie, but it it's beyond the point. You can't be letting. I'm my only thought is that whoever was tracking him was thinking that's a high ball. Shakiri's not gonna. Um, cause us many problems you know in the air he's not exactly you wouldn't exactly put him in the um fernando torres class of being able to head the ball mm. really you know, when you when you when you see him when you think about him so maybe that was his only thought is he's gonna have to try and take this down so i'm gonna you know let him take it down then close it down and he just took it was a fabulous finish i take nothing away take nothing away from shigiri i still think that was one of the one of the steals of the transfer window was it fifth million you got him from from Stoke? Just, un- just under, actually, Absolutely. yeah. Just whatever that was, you know, ab- absolute bargain. And you, you did very well again. But again, if we were, I just think, oh, again, again, go back to the first goal, it just dropped the heads and we thought, right, that's it. And, and just a little bit of concentration from that drop morale, I think, was what was what caused it. If that had been nil-nil, I think they would have, the players would have been a lot more switched on and, you know, would have, and would have been able to stop that goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Matthew, I'll stick with you for this one. Uh, I think Nick mentioned it there for a minute, that obviously after the second goal, it just kind of killed the game dead. I mean, there's probably two ways of looking at it from a Fulham point of view. You can either be disappointed you didn't try and push to get back in the game, or you can kind of be not happy, but okay with the fact that you didn't get battered furthermore. Um, what, what was your take on it? Do you think it was right to kind of cut your losses at that point of view or do you think you should have tried to test us a bit more um somewhat in the middle i think you know i always i always go into the mindset you know you shouldn't be going into a game thinking right our main objective here is to keep is to keep the scoreline down now you should always at least try to win but i just think towards the end of but Liverpool are something are something different. If this was Man United, for instance, and we were and we mm-hmm. were one 0 two 0 down, you'd think right we can attack to some extent because they're not exactly the quickest on the break. Whereas if we were to commit men forward, Liverpool are just a completely different monster. So you'd be opening yourself up to Mane and uh, Salah uh, to open you up on the counter attack. So again, I would have preferred if we tried to go forward a little bit more. But at the same time, I'm not going to get overly, overly critical of Slavisa because you know, we've we've only come out of this with a with a two 0 loss. I'm sure when Huddersfield go to you, have, have Huddersfield, have you already played Huddersfield this year? Uh, uh, in Huddersfield, we have, yeah. Okay, well, when they go to Anfield, then then they're probably going to be hit for four or five. So the fact that we've only come out of it with two, you know, in the long term. Probably helps our goal difference, but I still think we should have uh, should have at least tried something. You know, we were obviously doing something right in the first half. I mentioned the Mitrovic, uh, the Mitrovic flick on flick on to session, and we should have tried something a little bit better. But again, I'm not going to get overly overly mad that we that we decide to shut up shop and only keep to two 0 Yeah, I think that's fair. But uh, Nick, from our point of view, obviously we kind of just accepted the two 0 ourselves, and I think people had this penciled in as possibly. 
a game that we could get into the the four and five nils. But do you think it was deliberate the fact we kind of stuck with two nil, or do you think it is just us not being in the best of form? What do you reckon it was? Do you think maybe we just not bothered about goals? Uh, Goal difference cost, let's be honest, we're not catching Man City. <laughs> In that regard, I should say. Yeah, I just, um, we just didn't quite click on the day. You know, we, we showed moments of quality during the game, but, um, it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't flowing enough for me to, to rack up, you know, a good score. And I think as well, you know, Fulham, it might sound stupid, you know, they, they've lost the game, but I thought Fulham played quite well. You know, they came out with it, with a game plan. They really frustrated us. They had the chances, and certainly on another day, they could have went in at half-time, won their look. You know, and if that's the case, uh, then it's a case of trying to break them down. And I think what shouldn't be underestimated is how much we run as a team, how much we press, you know, not as much as last season, to the eye anyway, you know, but it takes such amounts of energy for players to, to play against us. You know, the amount of teams that have played Liverpool and they say, you know, it was so tiring, you know, they just wore us down. And as Matthew says, you know, the danger is after, after they, they go 2-0 down, if they then try and push forward, that's exactly what we want because we can hit them on the break. You know, we've got a lot of fast players. So I think that what I noticed is after we scored the second goal was Fulham seemed to um retreat a little bit, um, not come out of a half as much. And we also seem to kind of settle for the results. You know, we, we made a few substitutions. We brought Henderson on. Um, and depending on whether you're a fan of him or not, that, that was a positive or a negative substitution. Uh, we then brought Milner on for Shakiri. It was, and that, that could be deemed as being a more defensive move. But thankfully, we never brought Joel Matip on, which is <laughs> one of my pet hates. Klopp always seems to, we'll get to about 75, 80 minutes. And he'll bring on a third centre-half and it just sends out the wrong message all the time. And it just, whoever we're playing against, it gives them the impetus to come on and attack us. So the best thing for me yesterday, we never bought with the Joel Matapon. But I think in all seriousness, I think both teams, once the second goal went in, had settled for a 2-0 result. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you never complain about a 2-0 win, but... uh... Pretty much the last thing to cover. I mean, this is probably just a Liverpool thing. Um, the one question mark, if, if we can call it that, Nick, is Naby Keita got all of 30 seconds to come on. I mean, is that just a weird sub from you, from your point of view? Obviously, I think Henderson got 25 odd minutes. Do, do you think Keita's injury is a bit more serious than we thought it was at first? Eh. Uh... Obviously, no way of knowing him. It didn't yeah. make any sense to me at all. Um, because sometimes as well, if you're bringing a player on cold, from what I've been told from a physio friend I've got, you know, different sports scientists you listen to, if you're bringing them on cold, you know, for the last minute or so, there is a danger that they can get injured, even just coming on for that couple of minutes. Um, I just didn't see the point of it. You know, we were winning the game. We were 2-0 up. So it wasn't even a time-wasting um, strategy from, from Jurgen Klopp. It just didn't make any sense at all. And what what I don't quite understand, I mean, I like Jürgen Klopp, but his use of substitutions as a general rule is not great um, for me anyway. You know, we try and manage the playing time of our players, but we had three substitutions we could have made today and we made our third one on 91 minutes. Why? 
it just doesn't make any mm. sense at all. And as I say, I would have, I would have uh, flipped the lineups around completely. I would have had the lineup uh, against Red Star. I would have played that against Fulham, and I would have played the Fulham lineup against Red Star. But again, I'm nobody. Jurgen Klopp is a great manager. He's won a lot of things. But in terms of managing players and in terms of making sure players don't get injured and don't play too much, that just didn't make sense to me at all. I've got to be honest. Henderson and Jacquet, the Henderson sub and the Milner sub, they did make sense. But bringing on Kaita for two or three minutes, I just don't get it, Guy. I really don't. I mean, what, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was kind of weird. I mean, I didn't mind Henderson coming on because obviously we got to get him back off his injury as well. But just the... Um... Just the fact that Kater got 30 seconds, and I think everyone... I imagine Klopp's dying to see the real Naby Kater as well, <laughs> so it's just kind of weird that he's getting so little minutes, and uh, yeah, I think Subs has kind of been a bit of a bugbear with Klopp, even though every, everyone loves him, but it has been a, has been the one question uh, over Klopp is why Subs are so so weirdly done. Um but yeah, I think I think that's pretty much been the game. Um, so we'll come to come to final thoughts. Um, so Matthew, obviously not the best result, but do you think there was a couple signs there that Fulham are improving in some in some spots? Um, to an extent, yes. I mean, if this is the kind of performance and the fact that we you know somewhat managed to sort uh, sort our defence out, you know, one of you know, we weren't conceding goals. Um, you know, left, right, and centre. You know, one of them was a was a quick thinking counter attack, and the other was from a set piece where the defender switched off. It's not like we we were being completely overrun. Um, Sergio Rico managed managed to keep us in. So if we can put in this kind of performance going forward, you know, starting off with Southampton on the other side of the international break, then I think that I think there's something there that could turn into a a, a team that a side that stays up. You know, a lot of people have been saying, if that was a new manager came in, say Slav had been sacked on, uh, Slav had been sacked after the Huddersfield game, and that was the first performance from a new manager, then everyone would be saying, oh, this new manager, oh, he's got, he's got something going here. He's finally, you know, he's somewhat managed to sort them out. So we don't want to lose track of, you know, lose track of that. This was still a Slavici Akanovic side. So I, I, I'm personally still, um, of the idea that I think we need to go, Go and get a new manager if we want to. You no, know, I, I don't want to just go and get a big Sam. I want this to be, you know, don't don't just think of it for this season. Think of it for the future. But if this is the kind of thing that Slavs, you know, it, he, he's been known for every season. It takes a while to get used to his style of play when he implements some new things. So if now we finally manage to turn turn the corner, then maybe then maybe there's something there. But let's not. You know, dwelling on too much, we are still very much in a relegation fight, and we may need to make some completely drastic changes uh, going forward. So, yeah, Matthew obviously mentioned uh, may not be saving Slav, but obviously it's the international break now. Do you think that may be tempting for the owners to change manager? Obviously, a bit of time for a new manager to settle in with the squad that's not away at the internationals. Uh, no, because the can't have shown, they made, they made some horrible decisions when they, when they first took over, when we had, um, you know, three managers in the first season, and I think five, I think five different managers in the space of 24 months, something along those, something along those lines. So they've sort of learned their lesson and they're going to be 
uh, they're not going to be as uh, trigger happy as they as they have been in the past. They've shown that they want to keep faith in Slavica Ivanovic. It's just a case of whether or not this one performance was enough to say, "Hang on, we've started to get something. We've started to get something together now." Um, I finally worked it out. Please let me stay. I've got this international break. I don't think we've got many of our players, uh, particularly particularly in the, particularly in the back line. I think Cyrus Christie's going with the Republic of Ireland. Uh, Le Marchand's not with the French squad. Adoy, I don't think he's with the Belgian squad. Chambers and Mawson aren't with uh, aren't with England. So maybe he's going to say, right, I've got these two weeks where I can drill in this new defensive style with Callum Chambers as a defensive midfielder. I could drill it into them and let me at least give it a go against Southampton come the you know, come uh, come the other side of the international break. That's personally what I think is gonna happen. Um but it is a, but when you have lost seven straight in seven straight in all competitions, there has to be questions and I'm sure the cards are asking questions. They're not just twiddling their thumbs thinking mm-hmm. this is all gonna sort themselves out. They must have at least had thoughts of Right, we need to we need to do something now, and it's just a case. And I, as I said earlier, it's just a case of whether or not Slavs managed to convince them with this one performance that I am the I am the right man for the job. Just stick with me a little while longer. Yeah, all fair, I think. But uh, Nick, any any thoughts that could be taken from this game from a Liverpool point of view? Uh, yeah, I really like Joe Gomez's performance, um, which might sound like a strange statement to me, but he made a lot of. Um, Snide cynical fouls yesterday to uh, stop uh, Fulham breaking forward, getting a bit of momentum, and he eventually got booked for persistent fouling. And I actually applauded him. I was like, "Great stuff!" <laughs> you know, he's maybe a bit lucky not to get a, a yellow card earlier off the referee. But I just thought it was it was quite a mature performance. It wasn't the performance of uh, someone who was Joe Gomez's age. I just thought that he really played well yesterday for me and. Fabinho again was another real plus. Um, I just think that we need, we need to work out what we're doing. I, I still would put on points on the board is great, but it's still, it's not flowing yet. We haven't, we haven't kicked, we haven't kicked into some type of pattern yet. And the worry is, as I say, um, we need, I, I don't know whether yesterday partly we were thinking, you know, we need to get the goal difference up to, to make sure that we're there in case Man City make a mistake. But we just, we're not the Liverpool of last season at the moment, which is good from a defensive point of view. We look very good from a defensive point of view compared to last season, but we're not the, the attacking force that we were. And I think that we need to find that balance. And I think at the moment, the big problem is midfield. I don't think Klopp um, has either had access to all of his midfielders, whether not being able to sign for Keir has altered his plans, but the balance in the midfield is not right at the moment, and I think that that is affecting our performances. And I think until we get that sorted, we're not going to see any sort of um, consistency from Liverpool going forward. Can I just... You say you haven't clicked yet, but this, looking from an outside, you're undefeated, and the only times you've dropped points this season were against Chelsea, Arsenal and Manchester City. Is it, I, I'm, I, I'll admit I'm looking at this from the outside, but is everything really all that wrong at Anfield that, that you're this close to the top of the table? I mean, was it two points, something like that? Two points off the top, and yeah, what's the panic about? I'm, ju- I'm just genuinely curious. I think it's just the worry that um, I personally think that we've been lucky in some games with the results that we've had. 
Um, obviously, we were a bit unlucky against Arsenal. You know, we, we had a, we had a disallowed goal that should have stood. Um, but I, I just think performance-wise, um, Matthew, I think that um, yeah, on on the point on the board, we're doing great. You know, and can't complain about that at all. But I think that there's only so much you can play uh, badly or playing consistently, where you're only playing well for certain moments of the game before you get found out. And for me at the moment, it is a little bit of a worry. There's not enough Liverpool players who are on form at the moment. The best Liverpool players at the moment for me are Gomez and Robertson. They're the ones who are most consistent throughout the season. Um, but the rest, as, as you say, may, maybe I'm just wanting too much. I don't know. I mean, the points on the board at the moment are brilliant, you know, and it's, it's someone cost Man City. It's cost Man City a minute, let's be honest. <laughs> That's yeah. probably why. Uh, I think that's one of the main reasons is that we have to compare ourselves to Man City and they are just annoying. <laughs> that's probably my take for it. Um, but yeah, I think that was quite a, a good question, actually. But yeah, uh, it's just a weird situation. Um, <laughs> but I just uh, spotted the time. We're about an hour now, so might as well finish up there and we'll come to plugs. Um, Nick... Are you writing anything at the minute, and do you want to hand out your Twitter? Uh, I've, I'm a busy boy at the moment. I haven't written anything in a while, so apologies. I will have to get something done. Um, I'm just uh, at uh, Socky on Twitter, um, and I'm not really doing anything at the moment, but thanks for having me tonight, Guy. really appreciate it and enjoyed it. Anytime, anytime. And Matthew, anything you want to plug? Um... No, not particularly. Other than my uh, my Twitter handle, which will be which will be in the uh, uh, tweet for the thing. But just in case, it's uh, at uh, Matt Reese sixty three M A T T R H Y S six three. If you enjoy inane chatter about pointless subjects, then by all means, feel free to give me a follow. You just described the whole of Twitter there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hope you've uh, both enjoyed the podcast, and I hope you have as well, listeners. But thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.